0: Today's episode is a special segment called Inspired by His Story. I have always been motivated by strong, independent women, which is what inspired my podcast so that I can tell these women's stories in hopes to inspire others. But I would love to inspire everyone, so that's why I've added the Inspired by His Story segment to also tell amazing stories of these men to inspire even more. I hope everyone's stories can truly inspire you to get out of your comfort zone and live your life to the fullest. Today on the Inspired by His Story segment, we have Ray Vanacore, otherwise known as Ray Vans. Ray is a musician and mechanical engineer. For the last nine years, he has been making rap music and is just now starting to find his place within the music industry. Garnering over 1 million streams in 2018 on Spotify alone, Ray is hoping to keep up that momentum with his most recent album titled Lazy Boy. 2019 is far from over for Ray. In fact, he had so much to say that we have two episodes for you to get to know him better and find out what he has in store for the rest of the year. Tune into today's episode where Ray will touch on how he balances being an engineer by day and rapper by night, how he got started in the music industry, and how he continues to push himself out of his comfort zone to find his way through the music industry. So, today I'm really excited to have my first segment of Inspired by His Story. And I'd like to welcome Ray Vans. Welcome, Ray.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: how do you feel being the first guy on the Inspired by Her Story podcast?
1: Well, that's probably barking first bark. Um, <laughs> how do I feel? I feel great about it. Honestly, it was like slightly weird when I first thought about it because I was like, her story, I want to be the-. obviously, they come to me. I just think about, all the jokes all our friends made, like me being the uh, the (laughs) feminine guy that like this just really leans right into it. That's too funny. But, you know, the more we talked about it, the more I realized you're just interviewing, you know people that have interesting stories or that are, you know, yeah. having a second side hustle and mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter the gender.
0: Yeah. It's all about telling people stories, you know, yeah. what makes them get out of their comfort zone in order to do the things that they love. And it's not necessarily just females that do mm-hmm. that, but yeah. there's tons of guys out there that I especially know too that have, and I'd love to share their stories.
1: Yeah. And then another thing was I texted Joe. And I was like, is this weird? And then he was like, Caitlin asked me too. And I was like, okay, it's not just me. I'm not just going to be be the one his story and then no other guy. Yeah. Um, So that made me feel a little bit better. But my coworkers were making fun of me. But I also thoroughly enjoy making fun of myself so yeah. once I realized that this was like a kind of funny that it's it's hit her story and I'm on it I just leaned into <laughs> it and was like making jokes about it all the time at work
0: it's okay it's gonna be a whole segment I have a list of guys cool. I'm gonna interview as well so
1: so it's not just me that's awesome
0: today it's inspired by his story
1: so I'm not special no
0: <laughs> you are special because you're the first one mm-hmm. so that's okay nice so tell me a little bit more about yourself so you are an engineer by day but a rapper by night now yes. how exactly did that come about
1: so uh, engineer by day summing that up quickly because I don't know I I, I tend to dis- define myself to most people as a engineer because most people like scoff at me being like i'm a rapper mm-hmm. and that was one of the most embarrassing things my whole like rap career was saying like i like rapping i used to s- preface it with i know it's stupid but i rap <laughs> and that's dumb mm-hmm, but into the engineering side you know i just liked science and math when i was in school and my dad works at uh sikorsky aircraft with a bunch of engineers and i realized when i was going to go to college that i couldn't I always wanted to go to Berkeley College of Music, and then I realized like I didn't play an instrument that well, and I don't mm-hmm. think they let rappers in. Yeah. Um, so I went the practical route of getting an engineering degree, and then here I am as an engineer still, mm-hmm. which is awesome, um, because my schedule at work is super flexible, so it really allows me to kind of do what I want. Um,
0: yeah, that's sweet.
1: Yeah, so with the rapping, that came about really weird. But, I mean, in terms of balancing the two of them, I mean... You got a lot of hours in the day. I mean, I'm only working 40 hours a week and uh, I travel a lot for my job, as you know. Mm -hmm. And when I'm on travel, I don't have any friends. Mm -hmm. I don't have my dog. I don't have like my PlayStation. Mm -hmm. So, but I can, but everywhere I go, I can listen to music and I can write notes on my phone or I can write in my uh, little rhyme book or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And that was really the appeal to rapping that caught me was that I could make music anywhere. Like I couldn't write a guitar part at school. I couldn't think up like a chord progression without like playing it and hearing it. It's not like I have perfect pitch. I don't hear these notes in my head all the time. Mm-hmm. But lyrics and cadence or like humming to yourself, you can do that anywhere. Mm-hmm. So when I first started rapping, I realized like if I was bored in class, I'd just write raps. You know, if I'm like on the transit uh, at you know uh, UNh going from my dorm to the school like I could write notes down if one of my friends says something funny like I remember we were drunk at my buddy's place um, after we graduated college and he was like i got a couple copper cups because he had <laughs> copper cups and he had a couple of them and he was like what a bar and like I never used it but I wrote it down yeah like I write these things down when people mm-hmm. say things that come off funny or it's catchy or or just a unique word that I don't use you know mm-hmm. I'm not People think I'm super eloquent, but like these raps are written for, like they're, they're not. They don't just come out like that. Like mm-hmm. you write something and then you change it and you constantly change it and you tweak it and you move it and you move the words around and you move lyrics around to fit a pattern or a cadence or some form of feeling. Mm-hmm. But that cupper cup, like I have a lot of my college buddies send me rap lyrics all the time. Not yeah. saying that they write my songs, but like <laughs> they have funny, they use funny phrases or things like that, and you can write that down anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, the balancing rapping is not as hard. Like If y'all were in a band, that would be something that you would be like, wow, Mm -hmm. how do you coordinate four people to get together this often? That's why I'm not in a band, because I couldn't do it. It's all relying on me. I can do it wherever I am, so... Not to make this sound terrible, but like I do most of my music stuff probably when I'm at work Mm -hmm. and I make jokes how I get paid to rap. (laughs) But really, I'm just at work bored Mm -hmm. and I pull up a Word document and then people are like, wow, Ray's typing a lot. It's lyrics. (laughs) And you're like, well,
0: I'm inspired. And that's the thing. Like when you have an an inspired moment, you kind of just have to take it. I'm constantly just like writing notes in my phone randomly because I'm like, I need to write this down before I forget it. Mm -hmm. So if you're in the middle of your job, then
1: that's yeah. the time <laughs> too many times i've had really cool lyrics or something has come up and i haven't written it down and then it's just this on the tip of your tongue for the rest of your life and you never fu- you never find it it mm-hmm. never you never end up getting it back i remember watching the, mo- the movie troy in my dorm room with a uh one of my best friends in college and we were s- s- like, rapping lines back and forth to each other about Brad Pitt and Troy. Mm -hmm. And we came up with a bunch. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I might do a song about it. And then we watched the movie. The movie ended. And I was like, okay, dude, let's write those down. And we couldn't think of any of them. Mm -hmm. Couldn't think of any of them. And we were like, wow. In in an hour, we forgot all of it. And (laughs) it wasn't that bad, because it was like a satirical thing. It was just really uh, comical. But, yeah, you just got to take the time to document your thoughts when they come up. Because inspiration Mm -hmm. is weird like Mm i i I have no idea how to channel it it just happens yeah you know and the more that i make music it's not the easier it gets it's just the more you tend to know yourself of Mm -hmm. like i like recording when i'm comfortable Mm -hmm. so i'm not gonna come home from a shitty day at work and Mm -hmm. just sit down and record a great song right away like i'm gonna have to like relax play with riley my dog like calm down and, or get in a certain headspace or just be like listening to the mm-hmm. music that inspires me right um, but I swore and I just realized can I swear yeah I probably totally should I'll I'd swear way too much so I'll, <laughs> I'll try and tone it back but at least <laughs> yeah. it's not like a red flag
0: yeah no problem but it's so true it's like you can't really plan an inspirational moment not at all you can like try for it to come to you, like listening to other motivational podcasts Mm -hmm. or having like a conversation with somebody who usually inspires you. But if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen.
1: And I know a big theme in your podcast and just like with your life in general is like kind of getting out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about that a lot because one of my closest, um, I wouldn't say like advisors, but somebody who I hold their opinion very, very highly is is Joe Tomaselli. I, I hold his opinion very highly because, um, He's probably one of the only other people that I've known my whole life that's always been as not as creative as me, not comparing each other, but just mm-hmm. like wanting to create as yeah. much as me. And so um, one of the things he always says to me is like, you're too comfortable. You're always too comfortable. Mm. Like, For the longest time, I didn't put a lot of music out because I was comfortable. Like, I had a job that paid my bills and I was living with my parents mm-hmm. and I didn't need to sit down and write a song that day because the songs aren't my livelihood. Yeah, And I realize like you can't have that mindset and that sometimes like even when you don't want to record, you just have to do it. Or I have to sit down and search for beats because they're not just going to find me. Mm-hmm. So there's always something that I can do. And that's the thing with like, you know, balancing the work and rapping is while I'm at work, mm-hmm. like I can just put, I can go on YouTube and type in something type beat and, and listen to beats while I'm, you know, mm-hmm. analyzing vibration data at work or, you know, I can pull my phone out and be on social media and send a DM to some artist that I want to talk to and then not have to worry about that. Like mm-hmm. you can do, there's always something that you can find that you can do. Yeah. And um, with the inspiration, the one thing that Joe I think kind of instilled in me was like trying new things is mm-hmm. cause you see him, you know, he does a ton of different art styles, yeah. everything, anything that can be art, Related, like even singing, like he's pretty good at singing. Like he can do all those things. I
0: didn't even know that. Yeah.
1: I'm not not trying to give away his whole story before (laughs) he ends up coming on the pod. But like, so what I found is just I'll hit him up and be like, what music are you listening to? Mm Because he's always finding new music and I'm not. Mm -hmm. And then he'll just send me a song. And whether I like it or not, it'll inspire you in a sense because it's new Mm -hmm. and you're like hearing something different. Like you can take inspiration from almost everything in your life. And sometimes it might not immediately resonate with you, but Mm -hmm. I know that. I listen to the same music every day mm-hmm. and you get in a rut almost to where even though i like the songs they're not yeah. helping me make new ones yeah so
0: exactly you need something new to like push you out of that mm-hmm. and i think that's what sometimes like everyone likes to stay in their own little bubble yes. or like only hang out with the same people all the time And I feel like that's what's best about kind of venturing out and getting out of your comfort zone and hanging out with new people or going to even if it's like networking events or, you know, something where you're talking to Mm -hmm. new and different people. Because I have especially noticed in the past like year or so by me talking to new people that I've never met before or like friends of friends. It's helping me find inspiration in different ways because it's bringing up newer conversations with people and they have different ideas than my other friends have. Mm -hmm. And so now it might be sparking something different in me. So sometimes it's all about like getting out of your bubble, getting out of your room. You know, sometimes I feel like I just like locking myself in my room, working on my stuff. But I need other friends to be like, "Hey, did you listen to this new album yet? Yeah. Hey, did you did you follow this person on Instagram? Mm-hmm. Because if I didn't know about them before, then how am I going to find out? And now that they like referred them to me, it might spark a different creativity mm-hmm. out of me as well.
1: Yeah, um, that's so true. I know that Cat and I make jokes that like. We don't really start watching new shows on TV if we don't know other people that are watching mm. them, because then we don't we can't talk about them mm-hmm. with people. And yeah. I know people thought like Making a Murderer was super popular like years ago. We mm-hmm. started watching it like a month ago, and when we both went into work, nobody wanted to talk about it because everyone's like, "Ah, oh, I saw that years ago. Yeah. Like I don't remember Old it, dudes. whatever." And we lost interest in it because it was like we weren't getting another person's perspective on it. It was mm-hmm. the two of us getting bored, like. We're gonna talk about it, but we both see it from the exact same perspective. Because while we're watching it, I make an observation. She goes, "I agree," and then we don't hear like another opinion. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's a lot to be said about taking in other people's opinions or other people's thoughts. Will kind of if you're at least open to it, Mm -hmm. you can look at uh, a problem or some creative solution or anything and just Mm -hmm. shed a different light on it. Yeah. Um. And that is super helps me with creativity. And like ever since I've been getting a little bit more networking. Um, in with other artists, mm-hmm. it's only helped me because yeah. now I have other people I can bounce ideas off of. Mm-hmm. And when people are actually doing the same thing as you, mm-hmm. you sometimes will value their opinions a little bit more because they understand the day-to-day struggles or the the mm-hmm. little minutiae that like you don't want to get into with somebody yeah. else that you might bog down their thoughts by giving them too many details. I'm, mm-hmm. you know me. I, I'm very. I I ramble. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm giving too many details to where somebody who's new to it just gets lost and it's tough. Mm -hmm. So I found that, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, talking to other people can really just help in a lot of manner, as long as you're open to it. You know, some people are a little stuck in their ways Mm -hmm. and the opinions and thoughts of other people clash with what you're doing and then then it's unnerving and you Mm -hmm. don't like it. Right. And that was always tough. My whole life, I, I didn't understand constructive criticism Mm -hmm. like I never got it and then now that I'm open once I conquered that I realized you know you can just listen to other people's thoughts take it in try and see from their perspective and you don't have to agree with them Mm -hmm. but looking at it from their perspective gives you another angle that you can attack a problem
0: Mm -hmm. it's so true because I was the same way like Mm -hmm. being a creative you have to be open to criticism but it could be the hardest part of the job so hard like doing photography especially when first especially when for starting anything that's creative it's so scary yeah you and
1: don't there's want to show of people. course
0: there's like so much more feedback people are going to provide because you're just beginning and There's more that you could work on, but then you're most sensitive in that moment too, because you are so new to it Mm -hmm. and you're like, I don't want to hear that. Or do you know how much time and effort put into this? But then you realize, okay, this is the time for me to grow a lot anyway. So Mm -hmm. I need to take their criticism and I need to learn from it and improve myself.
1: Yeah. And that's like, Oh, I just think back to like when I played sports and like having coaches telling you to do things differently like that, you get like personally offended with sometimes Mm -hmm. the way it's sometimes it's also the way people say things yeah you know constructive criticism when somebody says that doesn't always mean that they're being nice about Mm -hmm. it yeah some people are very blunt um and it's really weird like i was such a nervous kid my whole life and like i cried a lot in public when i was put on the spot Mm -hmm. and i didn't like being wrong, I, ha- I still hate the concept of being wrong. So I'd rather not say anything than be wrong in mm-hmm. most situations, which is really weird and it's not a great quality to have. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like, if you're gonna be offensive, it's a good quality to have. But like just being wrong in like a opinion-based sense, mm-hmm. like I shouldn't be that nervous all the time, but I still kind of am. And I found that um, me- that rapping actually helped give me some confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, once I realized that, um, like, at, like, as I developed my physical sound and my audio sounded better, I was like, it doesn't matter if I suck at rapping. I'm at mm-hmm. least getting good at this. Yeah. And I was like, I can compare this A, B to another song and go, I'm closer than I was a year ago mm-hmm. or six months ago. Like, I don't have the perfect recording setup and I don't have A plus quality vocals, but I know I'm like B minus. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in there. Like, I'm in the question yeah. of, you wouldn't hear my song and immediately go, wow, oh, this kid's an amateur. Mm-hmm. Like, you might not like it, but... And, and, and having confidence in yourself is really what helps you get over that constructive criticism because people Mm -hmm. are just giving you their opinions. Like I just think about like your parents are always going to have a view of what they want you to do in their life and in your life. And if you veer off of it, they're going to be a little bit annoyed about it Mm -hmm. and they're going to give you some constructive criticism and like right there at least my parents were super nice and my mom is like very very like soft-spoken and i would have a hard time with her like critiquing me and i'm like wow this woman's like whispering and saying like i love you like every other word and i'm still (laughs) and i'm still emotionally overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and um not to bring it all the way back to joe but he's he always takes pride in the fact that he will say his opinions Mm -hmm. and he's not like mean about him, but if you ask for his opinion, he will give you the full facts. Like if he doesn't like something, he'll say, like, you know, i not that I hate it, he'll be like, I don't like this. And him and I actually had a lot of um back and forth for years to where like I couldn't like I wanted to hear his opinion, but I hated it. Mm -hmm. And I would get really like emotional and mad. And now it's awesome. Like if I send something to Joe and he says he hates it, I don't even care. I want to say, I just want to hear why. Mm -hmm. And then I go, wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. You think this song sounds like the last four songs I sent you. And then I listen to them and I go, oh, they are really similar. Mm -hmm. And I don't care. It's my sound. But it's funny that, like, I didn't notice that until somebody else brings it to your attention.
0: Right. Exactly. You became more open minded with it. Yes. With taking other people's opinions, which is great. And that's what every creative needs because I've definitely been there, done that too, where I'm like, I don't want to hear anybody's opinion.
1: Yeah. And And then I realized it's helped me because mm-hmm. you need to be confident in yourself
0: right exactly
1: um I was and it doesn't s- mean
0: they're right either
1: yeah so Kat has a little bit of um Kat and I have a little bit of issues with me recording here and it's not over the concept of me recording here it's me feeling comfortable because sometimes she'll her and I'll be having a conversation she lives here too she can walk around and talk to me and whatnot and then I'll like snap when mm-hmm. she says something about my song and it's because mm-hmm. I'm Making a song, right? So you're being emotionally vulnerable at that time, Mm -hmm. trying to channel something. So you're already a little bit on edge. And then if somebody says, like, yeah, I don't really like the sound of that, like, even if they say it calmly, like, hey, do you know that's like a a little harsh? Mm -hmm. I'll just like be like, oh, mad. And it's weird how, you know, sometimes you got to separate the opinions from what you're doing in the moment Mm -hmm. so that you can at least carry through with your thoughts in your mind and you can. Follow through on the intention, the intended plan mm-hmm. before getting an opinion, because sometimes getting pin- opinions too early on will hinder your your yeah. growth or with whatever current um, you know project you're working on. Mm-hmm. And my buddy uh, Dylan Reese, who's been a huge influence on in my career, he's doing music full time. Um, when I talked to him, he was like, "Dude, I'm the same way, man. Like, I don't want people giving me an input while I'm like, I just laid down my first recording of the song because." You know, a song starts Mm -hmm. somewhere. It doesn't mean it ends in that same spot. Same thing with like a photo. Like you might take a photo somewhere, have a clear image of what you want. You're looking at it. Mm -hmm. You took it on your uh, camera and then you go home and then you edit the lighting entirely different and it looks like Mm -hmm. you're somewhere else and you go, I like this. But you didn't see that in the moment. So if you took that photo and someone said, wow, that sucks. You're like, I didn't even get a chance to do anything with it yet.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly, which is why I never show my photos on my camera. Yeah, I'll be like, no uh, you're gonna wait until I yeah. edit this. Like, mm-hmm. you can't see it yet. Yeah,
1: my buddy that does the uh, videography and photography for me that will remain that will remain nameless because he doesn't like me telling people his name. He um, <laughs> uh, a lot of times he won't show me stuff on his camera because he like feel you can tell that there's like a little bit of self consciousness mm-hmm. there where he's like, I'm gonna do a lot to this so it looks like plain. Yeah. But it'll just give me like an idea of how I'm framed in shots and mm-hmm. things because that's helpful for somebody who's gonna be on the other side of the lens. Yeah. But yeah, I try and keep. So, knowing that, I try and keep my opinions to myself a lot of times when some of my friends are doing their creative outlook or things like that. Like, I think of even Kenny painting his skateboards and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Like, he's really good at them, but I bet you if I saw it before he painted it and it was a sketch on there, I might go,
0: dude, you're Mm -hmm. crazy.
1: This looks wild. Like, this is really creepy. And then he puts colors on it, and you're like, wow, it's super vibrant. Like, I really like it. It conveys some form of emotion, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to. You can't jump the gun, is right. really all I'm saying.
0: Exactly. So let's take it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. What exactly or like how did you begin rapping? Did was there just one day that you were like, hmm, let's just mm. go for it? And do you start with buying equipment? Did you start with maybe writing lyrics? Like how did you really take off?
1: Yeah. So without being super long winded, I've always been invo- like in love with music. And I my parents bought me a guitar when I was eight. It was like a first act acoustic guitar, like one of those really tiny baby guitars. Mm -hmm. It's it's adorable. And uh, I hated it because it wasn't like an electric guitar. I didn't didn't understand Uh. that they were the same thing, really, when you're learning. Mm -hmm. And so I started actually playing when I was 10, and they got me lessons. And the issue that I always have with guitar was that I really couldn't tangibly make a full song. Like I didn't know how to sing and play at the same time, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to record. And so there was never a song. It was just me playing the guitar part or like putting a song on the background and I played the guitar. And I felt like, you know, everything is missing. There's no drums, there's no bass, like I'm not singing. Like, I couldn't coordinate my friends to be in a band. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that drive to tell other people like, meet me at this time and we're writing a song. Like, I didn't get that. And um, I kind of fizzled out playing guitar when I was 16, because high school sports just got way out of hand you know you're practicing six Mm -hmm. days a week and you know i'm not trying to play guitar i got homework to do yeah and um so when we were 17 junior year in high school joe and i were in the same english class different periods like we had the same teacher and we were different periods and we read a book called brave new world i don't know if you read that it's that like,
0: sounds I think I did. I remember that title.
1: It's just like 1984 I think where it's like about like a dystopian society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my teacher was super chill, Miss Mahoney, shout out. She um <laughs> she said to both classes, um I just want you to do some creative project. You can do whatever you want. It was open ended. You just had to bring her your idea before you executed no, it. Cool. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, "Ah, and at in you know, Joe, Kenny, and I, our whole lives, our big thing was drawing. We always drew. The three of us would always be like doodling. And so I was like, I'll probably just draw a picture of like uh, a society falling apart or like a, a, mm-hmm. a city street that's like beautiful on one side and like run down the other. Something like that. And Joe was like, catch, catching me after school. He's like, let's write a rap. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not doing that. And then our two friends, Ben Peterson and uh, Sam Murray were like, well, we're going to write a better rap than you. And I was like, What? <laughs> So this is a thing? And they were like, well, we're writing a rap and we're going to call you out in it. And I'm like, no way. So then as time goes on, uh, my teacher, Miss Mahoney, was like, are you guys actually going to write songs? Because that's like the best idea I've ever heard. Aww, She's like, that's, that's amazing. So awesome. like, that would be the perfect embodiment of this project
0: yeah talk about a supportive teacher Mm -hmm.
1: and so joe's sister had a macbook with GarageBand on it we went to his house we downloaded a beat off youtube it was a method man and red man beat very classic (laughs) and we wrote the worst the worst rap i've ever heard in my entire life and um but we got a better yeah but we got a better grade than sam and ben by two points we got a 95 they got a 93 (laughs) and we won and i remember being so proud that I had all my other classes play it in class. I played this song for myself about two weeks ago. (laughs) It's like really painful because Joe was actually good. Like he was actually pretty good. And I think that, I'm not gonna call him out, but I think he might've like stolen the cadence from other songs and just replaced the lyrics, which was so (laughs) smart because it's a really easy way to learn. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah, that's right. Throw me in jail. More than a night. Like, it was so bad. Like, oh, it was so bad. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I I did that. And then at the Orange Town Fair, Kenny was like, I can't believe you guys wrote a rap without me. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You weren't going to write a rap? Like, Kenny's so quiet, you know? Yeah. And they were like, let's rap. And so um, from that day forward, Joe's aunt bought him a Pro tool set, like a low-level Pro tool set that came with a similar mic that you have, a little tiny mic stand, mm-hmm. and uh, the the. The, uh, the interface that I have, like a, a similar style interface I have, and then the, the, the Pro Tools software, mm-hmm. and Pro Tools is so complicated, so like, Joe took that, and he learned it a little bit, like just enough to like press record and, and, yeah. and rap, and we ended up spending so many nights down there, just laughing, just like us being hysterical, like writing parody songs, writing really dumb stuff, and, i remember i wanted to put um make some legit songs that were more serious and put them out and they were like i'm not doing that like this is a joke like mm-hmm. we're just doing this because hysterical and like we never even thought it would get that far yeah like who thought joe's aunt was buying him a mic and pro tools right? none of us and all of a sudden he was like yo my aunt was like all hype that i made a rap yeah. so we did that and um
0: that's so cool it's fun to like start with friends too uh,
1: like my and the three of us were and and I always joked with them that I felt left out. I never hung out at Joe's house, but it was always Joe and Kenny hanging out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like an only child. And so I was like pretty much a homebody my whole life. I still am like I, all Cat and I do is just stay in this house as often as we take so many vacation days just to stay here. Mm-hmm. And um, I always felt a little left out because they would be the guys like that would stay up all night like playing video games or joking or, or doing whatever. And then I would be the kid that would like hang out until like 830 and then I go home and I go to bed. <laughs> and so when we started doing these like I was 17 I had my own car I could drive there and I would we would stay at Joe's house till like four in the morning and I'd be I'd wake up like on the floor in his basement and I'd <laughs> go and they'd still be up rapping and I go hi I'm gonna I'm gonna go home <laughs> oh but like I, st- I felt included it was fun and like a handful of our other friends at school were like shit like sometimes you guys aren't terrible we <laughs> like, were so bad no one was like this is great but they were like sometimes like, Kenny was hysterical. Like, the things he would say was funny. Oh, my God. Funny. I want
0: to hear Kenny rapping.
1: Mm, and, and, like, he, they'll never let anybody hear any of their raps. But, like, they had Don rapping down there. Oh, my like, God. Um, And the thing about it was that, you know, we were just taking popular songs and, like, Weird Al Yankovic in them to where we would just take a popular song, take the chorus change up words in it that would be the same rhythmic pattern, same cadence, same melody, and then it would be three, like, scrawny white kids (laughs) doing ad-libs, and, yeah, and then, and so then, uh, senior year, so that was junior year, so then at the end of senior year, I said, hey, I want to make my own songs, and so I started just using, like, my iPod headphones plugged into my Mac in GarageBand, Mm -hmm. and I would just record that way, and I did, like, a Chitty Bang cover. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Right, and, um... (laughs) And I went by the name Illy the Kid, because I really love Machine Gun Kelly, and his name is Colson Baker, and Machine Gun Kelly is a gangster name. And I was like, well, I can't have a gangster, but I was like, what about like a Wild West? And then I was like, Billy the Kid, and then I was like, that seems weird naming <laughs> myself some other name. Yeah. Like, I didn't like the concept of using like a like a, another male name for me. Like, I get it, like Ice Cube's Ice Cube. Like, that's not, you don't name mm-hmm. your child Ice Cube, yeah. so it's like a cool name, or or Snoop Dogg or Dr. Dre, like Dr. Dre's name is, I'm pretty sure his it's first name is Dre, so, or Andre, so it's Dr. Dre, it fits. So, mm-hmm. Billy the Kid was like me just taking Billy the Kid, taking the B off of it and making like a joke out of it. And yeah. that was pathetic. Um, That's so funny. And then I had a, a friend on a family vacation tell me, you're never gonna make it anywhere with a weird name like that. And I spent the whole family trip with my buddy Eric Shepard just coming up with names. And we were like, Untame Rame. That one was hysterical. <laughs> Um, and then we went with, you know, my full name is Raymond Vanacore, And so Ray Vans is just an abbreviation of my full name. And it's like a playoff of like Ray Vans and the Mm -hmm. fact that I wear a lot of Vans sneakers. Mm -hmm. And once that happened, that felt kind of real. You know, that felt like this is a realistic name Mm -hmm. and I'm not making parody songs. I'm finding unique beats online and, and popular beats from the past or at the time, just to try and stay relevant. And I was writing my own cadences and melodies and rhythms and rhyme patterns, and they were awful, but they were mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't just taking printing out someone's lyrics and switching up the words because mm-hmm. that felt fake, but that's like actually a huge that's like a really simple way to get into rapping
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh yeah, so, and then that brought me to college. I was ray vans all throughout college. actually, maybe it was like at the end of freshman year, actually, I think yeah. It was like sophomore year. So I was probably 19 at the time when I finally went with Ray Vans. Mm -hmm. And yeah, now here we are. I'm that same kid making the same style songs. They just got a little bit better. Yeah. I just like to think that every day I'm getting a little bit better.
0: It's so awesome to see like how you started off with your friends, literally in the basement,
1: Mm -hmm. like rapping. Yeah. And when I was at my mom, my parents' house, I was still in the basement.
0: Yeah. And then now look at you. Yeah out. Well, we have big news towards the end of this podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get there yet, but it's exciting stuff. Mm -hmm. And so getting up on stage in general is just very much out of most people's comfort zone. Do you feel like that was getting out of your comfort zone? And if so, what made you decide like, you know what, I'm just going to push through it and I'm going to do it.
1: It's interesting. If you asked a lot of my best friends, they'd say that this doesn't fit me at all, but I don't, they're not me, so they don't really get it. They mm-hmm. just see the ray that would like be asked a question in class I wouldn't know the answer and then I wouldn't say I don't know I would just like start tearing up and crying mm-hmm. and they were like wow this kid can't can't get in front of people but it was more so being put on the spot that made mm-hmm. me really uncomfortable and I think it was 3rd grade Um, I gave a little presentation on Michael Jordan, and I wore this little Michael Jordan jersey. I had this picture of him, and I was like, oh, Michael Jordan did this, this, and that, in Mm -hmm. front of my class. And I remember being super nervous before I went up there. It's the first time you do a presentation. Yeah. I'm like eight or nine. And um, I remember after I was done with it, I think my mom came, like my mom watched or like the parents were there. And Mm -hmm. after I was done, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel amazing. Like I had this like, this weird rush where I was like, oh my God, I talked in front of people. And I just, and I had a plan. I remember I had note cards and a plan speech and mm-hmm. I said it word for word. And there was clapping at the end and I was like, oh my God, I did it. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and um, and then I was always good with presentations. I've always been good with presentations to where when I was in sixth grade, I gave like the speech at our graduation mm-hmm. and I was crying the whole time. Aww. And everybody thought that was because I was nervous, but it was because I was actually really sad yeah. that, I, that elementary school was done because... At my time, like like when you're 12, like you don't really get it, like you don't understand that like all these people are going to the same school. Yeah, like I thought that it was like something was ending, <laughs> and so I was up there bawling so my cute. eyes out in front of like a couple hundred parents. Yeah, and all my friends are like, "Wow, like you're a pussy," but really it was just me being actually emotional. And then that same year, I did the talent show where I played a Pink Floyd song on my guitar, and um, and then in college, I gave a lot. I I was always the guy that would like try and lead our presentations for engineering stuff. And like, I'm not, I wasn't the smartest kid, so I wouldn't dive into the science, but I'd be the one that would like set the scene, talk at the beginning, talk at the end. Mm -hmm. Like if, if people were, um, forgetting like what they were planning to say, I already knew the whole presentation for all five people. And I'd be like, oh, you meant this. And everybody's like, thank you. Cause like some people get flustered Yeah. and I wouldn't, I get flustered when the questions roll in. Like when Mm -hmm. someone just asks something random, like, Hey, I don't have, I didn't have that written down. I didn't, I didn't plan out what I was saying. Mm -hmm. And so, um. The performing aspect like it's actually not as nerve-wracking for me as I think a lot of my friends around me think it is mm-hmm. but when I did my first show the scariest part was reaching out to the promoters mm. was like following through the scare and it still is you know I played a show in Philadelphia this past January with Tyler Carter and uh this artist Riley and um it was the best show I've ever played and it was the most real show I've ever played to where I didn't have to pay to play. I just showed up. I was the first artist, then Riley went on, then Tyler Carter went on. That was it. Mm-hmm. it wasn't like there was 15 artists on the bill. And I still remember texting Joe and I was like, "I don't know, man. Like why would they want me to perform? I'm not going to email them." And he's like, "What?" Like, "You bet." And he was like, "I bet you already typed the email out." And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> and he goes, "Click a button and it'll be done with it." And I was at work and I was actually like getting really nervous and anxious and I felt uncomfortable. And he was like, What happens? They say no. He goes, You're not playing the show right now. Mm -hmm. If they say no, you're still not playing the show. I sent it. They got back to me and they were hyped and they were like, You could do a ton of shows. And at that time, I thought they were going to make me pay. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'll pick one of them. And then next thing you know, I'm like there at the venue the day of the show and I'm thinking to myself, I didn't pay to buy, I didn't buy onto the show. Like, I didn't give, like, I'm actually performing because they want me to perform. Yeah. And it was one of the coolest shows I've ever done. And um, it was a really eye-opening moment because, you know, I've been doing, I've been playing shows for probably about five years now Mm -hmm. and not a lot, like one or two a year, maybe three or four a year at the most. And it's not the show that's a nerve wracking. It's the everything else. It's the planning Mm -hmm. it. It's making sure my friends can come. Mm -hmm. Like, are people going to be there? Like I don't, like the set is rehearsed. You came in here and I was rehearsing my set. Like Mm -hmm. I physically know all my lyrics. I know the parts of songs I'm doing. I know what I'm singing. I I spent hours making these songs. I'm Mm -hmm. already comfortable with them.
0: Right. So maybe it's kind of like a control thing almost then. Because you're in control of that Mm -hmm. moment. As long as you're prepared for something, then you know how Mm -hmm. you're going to handle it. Mm -hmm. But it's the things that you're out of control of that might take you by surprise. And you're like, oh my God. How do I handle this? Yes. What do I do in this situation?
1: Yes. And honestly, when I'm on stage, a lot can go wrong and a lot can happen. And most of the time, like, I'm not processing it. Mm-hmm. The first time I actually performed was Kenny and I, I. I auditioned for this, this like, rap group type. I don't know. It was really just a platform where they, help, like, they had a YouTube channel and they had a popular Facebook page and they hosted concerts and they just had a ton of rappers rap. Mm-hmm. And they had auditions. And Kenny and I flew out to... LA in the middle of finals week I had to take all my finals early (laughs) and we went out to LA in the middle of finals week and I rapped for about 45 seconds on stage and all I remember is looking into the mic and then handing it back to the people
0: Mm -hmm. like I don't remember the rap yeah
1: I don't remember it and a lot of my shows yeah I don't really you're not really remembering it. it's this weird thing of like you're in it Mm -hmm. like it's happening and you're just rolling with the punches. And I've never been somebody that can like improvise. Like when people say, hey, freestyle for me. Yeah. Even if I have a, even if I just finished writing a verse, I doubt you, I doubt that I could rap that verse mm-hmm. just because then somebody's saying like freestyle right now. I'm like, uh, 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 and then I freeze up. Yeah. But if I'm already up on stage, it's not like the crowd's like telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. Like if they're not responding, that's one thing. But then you, then I just make jokes mm-hmm. about myself. I'm like, well, you don't like what I'm wearing or like, you know. <laughs> just something funny. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the performing part is one of the most fun things and it doesn't feel that hard. And I never like, my mom had me in like boys choir when I was like in like third grade. And like I did that singing stuff, but I never did solos. I never liked doing things on my own because I don't Mm -hmm. like singing. But now I find myself up there singing and it's so crazy. It's so weird. Like I, I still don't even get it. it's still a little bit surprising to me sometimes like Mm -hmm. stuff that I end up doing on stage confidently but
0: that's cool you're like in the moment and mm -hmm. you just have to go with it
1: but like you said it's really I think it's the control Mm -hmm. it's knowing that everything's already been planned and in place and you're just executing something that you know already works yeah and I still remember I had I had a couple shows where songs didn't work and I was like okay whatever skip it Mm-hmm. but normally i would think that i'd be like oh my god what like the track's not playing like i guess i'm screwed yeah and i would be like oh what do i do do i turn my laptop on and off again and try and fix it it's like no just move on mm-hmm. next song like okay i guess my set's gonna be two minutes shorter who cares right you know, you just whatever happens happens and you gotta let it slide it's not like my if my microphone dies on me the sound guy doesn't have six microphones in the back you know mm-hmm. you gotta realize that no one's you're not physically getting hurt and no one's going to die right. because of the decisions that are made
0: exactly yeah. you just got to go with it exactly now who or maybe what inspires you um to keep pushing yourself to constantly grow
1: for in terms of like just general inspiration, everything, anything can really inspire you. Like it's funny stuff Riley does, like, you know, as a dog, <laughs> like he played Jenga recently with us. And I just oh think that God, that's going to that be, a, so that's going to be a bar at some point, but in terms <laughs> of consistently growing and pushing myself, it's my friends and my peers, but mainly my buddy Dylan Reese so Dylan and I performed a handful of shows together where he would be like the slot before me and I go on after him or he'd go on right after or or I go on and then he'd go on after me and it was like maybe six straight shows and it's because we knew the same booking agent yeah and we would reach out to that guy and be like hey where are your shows coming up do you have any slots and we had really good rapport with him and I still remember like I didn't know Dylan like I just see him at these events and Mm -hmm. then um I was on business travel two years ago and I hated it. And I was like so sad, but I was just being, I was just wallowing in it. You know, I wasn't thinking about how I can make this better, you Mm -hmm. know? And he just Facetimes me out of the blue. Like I never really talked to him. Like I had like a very small conversation with him once about me opening up for him when he did a headliner. But he was like, we were talking about me buying on and I was like, dude, I don't wanna pay to open up for you. Like no offense. like you and I have done the same time slot for the last year like why would I you know pay to do the same thing and he was like that's the right answer I remember him saying like that's the right answer I'm trying him saying like I'm not trying to pull a fast one on you he's like but you know you don't need to be on this show you don't and I remember him like kind of respecting me from that Mm -hmm. and then he calls me out of the blue and he's like dude you put out a song last week and he's like it has 80 views on SoundCloud and I'm like yeah and he's like that's awful And I was like, I know. And he's like, I can help. Nice. And I'm like, no way. And we, we had this long conversation and he's basically just like a mentor to me because, you know, he's living in LA doing music full time, 24 seven. That's the one thing on his mind. That's what he does. And he's executing a lot and he is growing as the days go by. And I'm at my desk at Sikorsky, not being as productive, but he kind of handles a lot for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, Knowing that he's, you know, working on music twenty four seven, he's making a lot of songs. The mm-hmm. guy probably makes. I was laughing with him, and I was like, it wouldn't be a stretch to say like ninety to one hundred and fifty songs every year, which is insane. Wow. But when you think of it, like, you know, you're recording seven days a week, three hundred sixty. So it's three hundred sixty five days in a year, mm-hmm. and you record a song like every third day. That's re- like he always says it. It's not that hard. <laughs> and so he always said to me, like, dude, you could make a song every month.
0: Mm-hmm. And he was like,
1: if you can't. Then he's like, you shouldn't be doing this because where are your priorities? Mm. And he's the one who got me the idea of making the template in my audio um, interface so that I can record quicker. He's the mm-hmm. one who said to me, "Hey, dude, what's stopping you from bringing your recording equipment with you on travel? Sikorsky yeah. has to pay for your bags. Check a third bag.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Screw it. Right. You know? So when I fly, I check an extra. Or I, I I check all my bags and then I bring my recording equipment as my carry-on." Mm-hmm. When I drive to Maryland, I just put it in the backseat of the car. I put the do not disturb sign on my hotel room and I set all my recording stuff up and I don't move it for the week. And Mm so when I get back from, you know, testing, whether it's two in the afternoon or it's like 10 p.m., like I can just turn my laptop on and record one verse and that's better than not doing anything.
0: Yeah, exactly. Utilize that time, especially if you're by yourself too. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And especially like the, I recorded the entirety of my last album, Lazy Boy, on the road. I think one, two songs were actually I shouldn't say that anymore. Originally, the project was only going to be four songs, and all four of them were recorded on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up recording the last two for it here in this house, which I kind of was happy because most of the album was based around me moving in here, or like the or mm-hmm. the anticipation and like the all the emotions with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he um and he makes songs all the time. So he'll send me a song in the middle of my work day, and it just pisses me off because I'm like, damn it! He sent me <laughs> one this morning, and now I got another one. Or he'll be like, yo, you got to hear this verse I did for this feature. And then I'm sitting there at my desk and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, damn it! I wish I was doing this. Or if I had a bunch of days off mm-hmm. and I didn't get anything done, and then Dylan sends me like a music video he just shot, some artwork he made for himself, um you know, he posts on Instagram and then he's like, yo, here's two new songs. I feel like motivated to be like, no, you're not going to beat me. Like I got to get something done. Mm -hmm. And so I kept making a joke with him that I was like, I'm going song for song with you. And I I didn't make it, you know, he puts out a song for about two to three years. He's putting out a song like every four, within every 14 days. It's like, I was doing like every three to four weeks. Mm -hmm. But even then before that, I was putting out like two to four, six songs a year. Yeah. And then the year I started working with Dylan, I put out 16 songs. Mm -hmm. It's more than a song a month. And I was like,
0: So that's personal growth for you.
1: Yeah. So with him, he's, you know, on tour and it just, sometimes it just pisses me off that I'm like, man, this guy's literally out living like my dream and Mm -hmm. I'm still sitting at my desk. So that's when I realized, you know, he's a resource that I need to utilize. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten a lot of features through people that know Dylan. I've now have a network of artists on Instagram that talk to me all the time that are mm. friends of Dylan's, you know, that yeah. are living, that are now friends of mine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's literally my main motivation is that I always say, like, I'm the catch up. But um, I mean, he's just got more time in the day. Yeah, just seeing like somebody, he's also, his birthday's like a month before mine. Like, we're pretty much the exact same age. Like, mm-hmm. he, We have very similar um, uh, interests in just general life. So we're just close friends now. And I talk to him probably three times a week Mm -hmm. for like an hour each time about what we're planning, you know, and every decision I make goes through him. And I literally have yet to like not agree with everything that he says wholeheartedly. And that's not me being like a yes man. That's me being like, damn, you already did this and you know the facts and you're laying it out logically for me. And Mm -hmm. I can't say no.
0: Yeah. That's so awesome. I think it's so important to have, for everyone to have some sort of mentor Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize
1: until this, you know? Yeah.
0: Right. Especially when you're doing something that's like by yourself, like Mm -hmm. you are Ray Vans, you're not a part of like a group or a band. Yeah. And it's the same thing for me too. Like being an entrepreneur like mm-hmm. owning my own business doing it all by myself it's and over, it's like it, can be overwhelming. it is so overwhelming like, where do
1: I start what's my what's mm-hmm. the priority on these tasks like yeah. when you just have a ton of things you don't know where to start yep and exactly. like having somebody who's already had that experience they can just say like i was just as overwhelmed as you and i mm-hmm. started with this and then i realized that that was the wrong thing or yeah. i re- i thought that this is where all my um you know all, all the importance was and you're like but It doesn't translate or, Mm -hmm. you know, people have real experiences that you can go off of as opposed to just your own assumptions, Mm -hmm. really, because all you're doing is assuming what you should do next. Yeah. And you're not you're not always right.
0: Right. And you could be doing tons of research, Mm -hmm. but that also takes up so much time as well. Yeah. And nobody has time to research every little thing that Mm -hmm. you have to go through. Uh, I've been lucky enough where actually yesterday I met up with one of my friends who's a wedding photographer. Awesome. So even though I don't do weddings or like maternity shoots or things like that mm-hmm. so much, um, she's still a photographer who owns her own photography business. Yeah. And we sat at the cafe for three hours just talking about like business stuff, life stuff. And it's just so great to have yeah. someone to like go to for those things who've been there, done that.
1: And even though she's doing a different form of photography, it's still photography at the core of it. Yeah. And discussing topics with people who have similar passions, that's, mm-hmm. that's when like a lot of the motivation and creativity can come from. Like I have a lot of times where I'm not feeling good, and then Dylan calls me, and then we have a conversation, and at the end of it, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm about yeah. to record everything. And I sit down and I record. Just because you're sitting there talking about... Not just your accomplishments or your failures or things that happen. Mm-hmm. You're just talking about general things to where he's like, dude, did you listen to this song? Like, I heard it. And I'm like, how did they get that vocal mix? And yeah. then the two of us sit there and I'm like, well, wait, I think they used a lot of reverb. And then he'll be like, nah, it's not reverb. And then we'll, and then we'll sit there and we'll discuss it. And then you're like, oh shit, like, <laughs> I get it now. Or you just hear their input on it. You know, mm-hmm. I, he came here once and mixed one of the songs on my album and because and was saying i can mix your whole album for you right now and it'll sound and he goes and it'll sound better than the way i do it and i was like slightly offended Mm -hmm. but then i watched him mix and i didn't like the final product because i like things to come from me yeah but just watching his process i was like dude you do everything different from me yeah and then i realized it's art Mm -hmm. there's no right or wrong answer Mm -hmm. so just seeing how he did it changed up my process a bit because i started taking little things that i saw that he did that i was like wow that's way quicker yeah or that gives me a unique sound or damn no wonder i've been chasing to i've been chasing your sound trying to do this and Mm -hmm. then i just watched you make it now i know how to do it
0: right exactly
1: and just like using the tools
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and you learn so much from each other like there Mm -hmm. were so many things that like Because you get Um, stuck
1: in your own ways.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you need to do things outside of the box and Mm -hmm. like try different tactics and strategies and it might improve what you're doing so much more.
1: And people say like, you know, if if it works, don't fix it. That doesn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. Like if it works, yeah. But there's also plenty of other routes that Mm -hmm. work.
0: And it's like if you can make it better then you should
1: yeah you can make it better you should but even if something works you don't have to do it every time Mm -hmm. it's almost better if you learn other options so then you can just break out your old reliable when you need it
0: yeah right exactly that's not all tune into next week's episode where ray continues taking you on his journey where he'll touch more on how rapping has impacted his life what plans he has for his future and a big announcement you won't want to miss Are you looking for someone to photograph you and your brand but can't find someone you really connect with? Building a relationship with your photographer is super important in order to feel 100% confident before and during your photo shoot so you can represent your brand in the best way and bring the right clients to you. That's why at Caitlin Casso Creations, distance doesn't matter. Whether you are local or across the globe, let's connect to talk more about working together. Email me at caitlyncasso at gmail.com. I look forward to chatting with you. Thanks again for listening to the Inspired by Her Story podcast. I hope you found some inspiration, motivation, encouragement, and empowerment to get you out of your comfort zone and live your life to the fullest. Make sure to follow, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and follow the podcast at Inspired by Her Story on Instagram. Follow my brand photography on Instagram at Caitlin Casso Creations and come along with me during my travels at Caitlin Casso. Go ahead and share the podcast with a friend and take these stories with you to make the changes in your life that you've been looking for. Stay tuned for the next Inspired by Her Story episode.